Welcome to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. Uh, this is episode number 219, keeping our theme of being on the road and going through different area codes. We are concluding our little road show in northwestern Indiana. We're getting close to Chicago, where Brendan was born, but not quite there. Gary, Indiana, some of the other places, northwestern Indiana. Uh, episode 219, that's the area code. So Brendan Maluli is here with me, Tom Maluli, and we're going to cover some of the topics of the day, things that come up in our daily meetings here at Maluli Asset Management, topics that are newsworthy and noteworthy. Uh, and I think we're actually going to talk about Justin Tuck. Brendan, I saw that the a couple of articles that we saw online and we're kicking around here in our discussions had to do with uh, 401ks and retirement planning. The single most important retirement planning strategy seems kind of simple to me. That was the catchy headline they put on it. I'm sure that that I, I don't think that the recommendation of the article is really a retirement planning strategy. It, it, their recommendation, and they had interesting data to back up, was that if you work longer, they showed the value of working like three or four months longer is the same as like adding an additional 1% of savings for like 30 years. So you look at you look at like the different levers that you can pull in in retirement planning, and it's how long are you going to work, how long are you going to be retired for, how much are you going to save each year, and what kind of investment returns are you going to get. So they kind of like went through all of those just to show. I mean, and and I guess it's intuitive, but like if you work longer, then your money needs to last not as long. So right, <laughs> and and you can save more, uh, and your money has longer. You know, longer time to compound before you're starting the decumulation phase of things. So, yeah, I mean, you can do that. I don't like. Is that a strategy like people want though? Like, I think work that, longer. I I think the one of the questions that that people need to address, and it's not something you can really discover in a financial planning meeting or even in multiple discussions with clients. The the question sometimes is, oh, I, I have to work, air quotes, work. I have to do this job until I'm 65, and then I can retire and do what I want. But if you like doing what you do, you'll probably never want to retire. And so, the, you know, the, the question really is, is this a job that you have to show up to, to collect a paycheck? Or is it, are you doing something that you really enjoy doing? That's a, a bigger issue. It makes the years go by faster, and it also makes the work a lot more enjoyable, a lot more rewarding. And so asking the question, are you prepared to work longer? I, I guess if I had a job that I really hated, I, I would have to basically say, okay, uh, the governor is extending my prison term for five more years. I mean, it's not always that, though. I mean, some professions, like, you, you can't work longer. Yeah. Like if you have like a physically demanding job, like banking on working longer as your retirement strategy, I think is a bad idea. Right. So yeah, for some people, it might be feasible to work into their 70s. And if they want to, then that's a big part of the equation too, like what you're saying. But right. what I would say is that there's no, there's no like age and people seem to earmark like 60s or like mid 60s as like this time when they're like supposed to retire i mean if they don't want to and they want to keep working because they like what they do that's great if you can't work any longer because you're not physically capable or you don't want to and you want to retire at 60 that's that's great too you just need to make sure that you have the means to do that right and if you don't then 
yeah, then, then, then you have some choices. Yeah, then right. you got to make some decisions about what you're going to do. On a related note, uh, we also saw an article in Market Watch: 15 ways to make more money in your 401k. I know when I read that headline, I thought of that Paul Simon song, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. <laughs> Slip out oh. the back, Jack. I was looking for that. It wasn't in there. Click, clickbaity uh, article here. There were some good recommendations and some that I thought like I could you know, leave. They were like specific recommendations about like how, how to invest, which I think is impossible to write an article about because how Ooh. could you possibly know how somebody should invest? One of the things that they said was make sure you invest in a value fund. How do you know? Those are the things that I could I could take or leave, but right. there are other ones that kind of touched on some of the points that we just made, like what are the different ways that you can uh, approach retirement planning? So you could work longer. Yeah. You can, Number you can contribute more. You can start contributing early. Make sure that you're getting your company match. Like all of these good things that I would tell people. And then yeah, there were some different ones in there. Like maybe you want to invest in value maybe you don't right. I'm, I'm not sure so number 14 was work five more years yeah that's that, again like oddly specific it's like yeah maybe i don't know what if i can't what if you're a second baseman for the mets i mean you can't work five more years right so again i mean it's impossible to write an article that's going to be applicable for everybody so i'm not going to like put this author on the roaster and just like leave him out there like whatever i mean the guy's got to write an article but right uh yeah i wouldn't take specific retirement advice from an article or even this podcast you should probably be sitting down with somebody to do that on a more personal level that's that's how you're going to get the answers that really apply to you and not just like some article Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. So one of the headlines that uh, we saw, actually, we lived through it uh, uh, earlier this week. Uh, market was down 500 points. And uh, the headline... How much, how much is that in percentage terms, just to clarify? Uh, I believe it was about 2%. Right. Okay. So on the Dow, <clears throat> the 30 stocks that most people don't have... Well, um, again, like a 2% move is not as gripping as 500 points. Right. So, but the thing that got my attention is that it had your favorite term in there, trade jitters. Yeah. Trade jitters knocked down the Dow 500 points for the worst day since April. Yeah. There there were also headlines in the morning yesterday that said like trade fears were easing and that's why the market was up. And then I saw the exact opposite ones at the end of the day when the market was down again. So right. I think Josh Brown tweeted something yesterday about like the trade war being like on and off and on and off and on and off. And it's just like, hopefully, look, hopefully you're not making investment decisions based on the headlines. Well, you're just going to be jumping in and out and you're going to have a horrible experience and bad returns. I think you had the ultimate response, though, to his tweet with your own tweet from Wayne's World. Yeah, it was just car. like the, the car game on. Game kind of thing. on. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, sure, I, I think it's important for people 
to know what's going on and this has certainly been in the headlines so to read to read the stories that are coming out or to try to understand what a trade war mean try to wrap your mind around it but i hope that you're not making buy sell decisions on a daily basis based upon whether or not this even exists because it seems like that's what we go back and forth with or maybe we're just using it to like you know broadly describe what is happening in the market when realistically like did did everybody who sold on monday did it because of trade wars like nobody had like obligations to fulfill like nothing like that no other possible reason for it it's so simplistic like come on there was some good news this week because we read that our man from uh big blue justin tuck graduated from wharton and uh he's accepted a job at goldman sachs and it's really cool defensive end uh he was Grew up in Alabama, went to Notre Dame, played for the Giants, uh, had 66 sacks as a defensive end in his career. After his career ended, went to Wharton, graduated, and now he's he's going to start next month at Goldman Sachs. That's fantastic. I mean, what's what's he doing at Goldman? I don't. He just said he's going to be a vice president. I, yeah. you know, everybody's I a just, vice president not, at some companies. Not to be uh, the downer here, but I feel like it's probably easier to get a job coming out of Wharton at Goldman Sachs when you used to play in the NFL. Well, it certainly helps with name recognition. Yeah. So I'm changing my name to Tom Brady. Right. So, that'll, that'll um, help. Yeah. So what was interesting, though, is that I saw the article on CNBC, and of course, they always have some kind of clickbait at the end of the article to keep you on the website. So right under an article about Justin Tuck, who played in the NFL, there was a little image and a video that they wanted you to click on of Richard Sherman from the Seahawks, Richard Sherman had to talk his grandmama out of buying Bitcoin. From what I've seen, he seems like a pretty smart dude, too. Did yeah. he go to Stanford? Yep. Tell us what you've been working on, like what you've been doing with your free time this summer. What books have you been reading? So I read Thinking in Bets, which it seems like uh, I'm a little bit behind on that in terms of uh, getting to it, but I'm happy that I did. So everybody's recommendations were uh, spot on with that book. Just this is Annie Duke. Annie Duke, right? So thinking uh, probable, probabilistically, like like you have to with uh, you know playing poker. Obviously, that's that's where you might recognize her name from. Also, just finished uh, the True Believer by Eric Hoffer, which uh, was recommended by Patrick O'Shaughnessy. It was also uh, I before I was reading it, I was just kind of like gathering general data on it and it apparently was one of Dwight Eisenhower's favorite books and it, it kind of gets into like mass movements and uh, like the the mind of the fanatic so to speak and how how they come to be that way and how impossible it is to change somebody's mind once they've bought into something like that so a uh, lot of parallels I think in in today's world whether it be politics, religion, or even like beliefs on how to invest. Like people tend to get very ingrained in their ways and pretty much it's just like <laughs> cognitive dissonance. Like they, you could have the best set of uh, data available that shows that they might be missing something and they don't care. And, and again, like I'm, I'm part of this too. I'm not, I'm not immune. Nobody is really reading. <clears throat> the project for me uh, this spring was to get the this gigantic book out of the backseat of my car because uh, it's been there since November. Uh, I finished a book called The Power Broker, which came out in 1974. It was written by Robert Caro, uh, who was a reporter for Newsday at the time. And it basically chronicled the career of Robert Moses and how he built most or many of the bridges and highways in and around New York City and Long Island 
having grown up on Long Island, it was really interesting to see how these things all came to be. I don't think that there's any character that we would be able to find after Robert Moses who could accumulate the kind of power that this man was able to grasp in his 40-year career. He basically was able to go in and rewrite the rules so that he could not be replaced by a sitting mayor or later by a governor. And it basically perpetuated his career, and it raised him, in some cases, above the power of the office, the mayor or the governor, where he could get a lot of things done. And he really was one of these guys, if you look at the things that he accomplished, you just shake your head and say, that is inhuman, the way it all got done. But without having that kind of power, it never would have gotten done. It's a shame because a lot of these projects were spurred from his own dreams and his own egos of of what he envisioned. But many of them, the data showed that uh, many of these projects, once they were completed, they only created more traffic, not ease traffic in and around the city. So it was very interesting to see how this all came to be, and it helps explain why we all sit in traffic jams on the Long Island Expressway. Mm-hmm. The other uh, couple of things, <clears throat> of course, I think we've both uh, dug through the Michael Batnick book oh, right, uh, yeah. with, with uh, well. the stories. I mean, they're terrific. Uh, he did a great job on that. But two other things that I'd, I'd like to share not necessarily books. I watched the um, Google Talk. That it was actually, it came out about six months ago um, with Frank Abagnale. He was the subject or the character behind the movie Catch Me If You Can. Very interesting talk. It's an hour long. I would recommend you watch it. Uh, the first 30 minutes kind of recaps the story that you can see in the movie, the Spielberg movie, But the last 30 minutes or so, he takes questions from the audience, and some of the things he talked about were really eye-opening for me. So if you get a chance to watch that Google Talk, if you just Google his name, Frank Abagnale, you'll be able to find it. It's one of the first things that comes up. The other thing that I listened to just in the last couple of days, uh, you know this guy who did the Bitcoin uh, courses, uh, that guy James Altucher? He does a weekly podcast. Now, I'm not a subscriber to his newsletters or his Bitcoin course or anything like that, but I will say whoever is the booker for his podcast, that guy deserves a raise because he gets fantastic guests on his podcast. He had an interview that was just published a couple of days ago with uh, Ken Langone, who is one of the co-founders of Home Depot, and it's a very long podcast. It's two hours, but it goes like goes by in like 15 minutes. It's a fantastic talk. Langone is 82 years old, still works every day, has tons and tons of stories. I would recommend that to anybody. It's a great, great story. Okay, well, that's going to wrap up episode 219. Uh, again, our area code uh, walk through the, through the country uh, with these different episodes. As we were about to go on uh, to record this podcast, Brendan and I realized that we could have started with 202. Washington, 203, Connecticut, you know, some of these other earlier podcasts as we go through different area codes. But uh, we appreciate you listening. Uh, Thanks again. And we will catch up with you in episode 220. Thanks for listening.